May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Now, we've really got a, a smorgasbord, so one of the words I can never say, um, uh, a, a right mixed bag of readings uh, for today's uh, uh, sermon and, and for today's Mass. And uh, uh, gosh, there's a, a what to preach on. I, Jean and I were looking at the readings this morning at, um, at, at breakfast, and uh, uh, we, she just came up after sermon after sermon that was possible uh, that she could have preached on this morning. Um, but uh, by then, I'd written my, my sermon, so I can't let her influence me, really. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we could have hollered about uh, uh, Samuel. We could have had something quite X-rated uh, following on from Paul, um, and, but I weren't quite sure what age range we were going to have here today, so I thought I'd leave that one to the side. And then, of course, um, we've got uh, the, the calling of some of the disciples. So, uh, you know, kind of had a right mixed bag. And, um, well, I thought I could preach for 10 hours, and uh, you'd all have burnt dinners and everything, but I thought, no, you better focus down and th think of something uh, relatively short and brief. So I've tried to do that this morning and left some of the X-rated stuff behind. Now, um, in Wales, we call our granddads Guy. It's Welsh for granddad. And uh, so as a term of inflection, in, in affection, we call all our granddads Guy. And my granddad, Guy, was a lovely man. And um, Sunday uh, afternoon uh, would be chapel at two o'clock um, at the local chapel. And then afterwards, I would go to my grandparents. And my first protocol is I would go straight up the garden where I would find my Guy, who had this massive garden. And when he wasn't working underground in the mines, you'd find him in his garden until it got too dark, of course. And he taught me all sorts about gardening. And I, I have a great love of gardening, which is not much good when you live in a flat 18 floors up, but there you go. Um, and, and he had three glass houses. That's how big the garden was. And in one of the glass houses, he had a vine growing. Now, our image of a, a vine these days is, is greatly influenced by what we see um, uh, in vineyards, don't we? Where we saw quite small vines, to be honest, not great. And you think, that's the image of the church Jesus chose? And you think, hmm. Well, I'm lucky because I've seen a vine that completely overtook this large glass house that grew all the way up and around the ceiling, then right down the other side. It was a vast organism. It was an amazing plant. And, uh, and, and, and my grandfather, Guy, taught me how you tended and cared for this plant. But it gave me a sense in later life 
what Jesus was talking about, about the church being like the vine and how all-encompassing it could be. He also talked to me about grafting. And now in Doncaster, grafting has a very difficult meaning than in Sheffield. I don't know if it means this in Sheffield, but grafting in Doncaster means thieving, okay? Going, and, and in particular, uh, shoplifting, okay? So when you talk to somebody about grafting, they think, oh, right, okay, you're going to do a bit of shoplifting. Um, uh, so anyway, grafting to me means taking a plant with a great rootstock, so it's really, really vigorous grower, and taking a, 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 a cutting from a plant that produces very beautiful or very, very lovely fruit or flowers, and you graft it into the other plant so it flourishes and it, it, it grows much more vigorously than it would with its, in its native form. And it's a way of getting new varieties with perhaps, with, with perhaps weak roots to grow much more vigorously. And my ghee was a great grafter, and he showed me how to do it. And, and years later, I remembered exactly what he taught me. Now, one of the things I like to think about baptism, and we had a wonderful baptism last week, didn't we? Wasn't it fantastic? Absolutely lovely seeing people to be baptised into Christ. But for me, one of the best images I've come up with for baptism is being grafted into the body of Christ, being grafted into the vine. And we, we always hear that, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is, you know, the vine, and we are the branches. And, and a great image I find is that we, in our baptism, we are grafted into the vine of Christ. Not some small, stubby thing that you'll see at a vineyard, but a great, massive thing that is all-encompassing. Fallen humanity grafted into perfect divinity. I find that a marvellous image to think as me as a Christian. Me, a fallen human being, an imperfect human being, probably a human being that Paul talks about in his Corinthian reading. Probably not behaving as well as God would wish, but made holy by being grafted into the vine of Christ. Being part of the body of Christ, being part of that vine, of course, gives us important responsibilities. It makes us think, although it should make us think, because our, our behavior reflects on the whole body of Christ. And that's important because we've seen the effect of this recently. Paul describes it very eloquently in today's Corinthian reading, doesn't he? Just think about the post office scandal, which I'm sure some of you have heard about. You know, 
Paula, Venable, Paula Venables, who was in charge of the post office for the most of the scandal, is an ordained priest in the Church of England. What disrespect does that bring upon the Church of England, but also the wider church, the body of Christ? But it also teaches us an important lesson, that actually in our days, in our working lives, we cannot divorce what we do in our work from our faith. We must live out our faith in our workplace. We must hold the principles of our Christian faith in our workplace. Otherwise, we do what Paula Venels did and bring a huge disrespect upon the body of Christ and upon Christ himself. Of course, we only have to look at some of the sexual scandals and the abuse scandals that have been around recently and have gone on for some time to also see the effect of how we behave and our moralities behind closed doors has an effect on the reputation of the church. Our faith must be our faith, whether it is in the public marketplace or whether it is behind closed doors. We must be good people. We must be faithful people. We need to clean up our act. Baptism should mean something to us and how we behave matters. And you know, one of the things coming to uh, St. Matthew's uh, to a tradition that is not my own, is discovering the massive gift of the confessional. And, and, and I really believe that one of the, the things the rest of the Anglican Church and the Protestant Church has left behind is the confessional. And it's been a joy to discover it, to be perfectly honest, and have the privilege of hearing confessions. It's been wonderful. But, you know, I don't think we use the confessional enough. And I'm talking myself here as well. Because, you know, sometimes we get like parched sand. And I don't know if you've ever seen uh, 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 soil or sand where it's completely dried and it's got this hard crust on it. And, and, you know, and if you pour water on it in the garden, the water just bounces off. It doesn't penetrate. Whereas if you do it slowly and repeatedly over time, you soften the surface so eventually when the water's poured on it, it goes through the surface and goes through to deeper layers. Now, I believe confessional is like that. The more often we do confessional, the more we break through our toughened exteriors, our toughened exteriors that we, we find necessary to live in the world. But actually, actually, God wants to go much deeper than that. He wants to go deep 
deep inside, inside who we are. And to do that, we need to go to confession more regularly, receiving God's blessing, God's forgiveness, breaks through that hardened crust through right through and allows God into our lives to minister more deeply, more thoroughly to us. So that's the first thing that I urge you to do. And then the second is the need to study. It's all too easy to be complacent in our faith and think, yeah, well, I know, I know I'm saved. I know the stories. I come to church and that's it. But, you know, God calls us to worship him with our minds as well, don't we? In the commandments, uh, you know, uh, worshiping with your minds. And that means keeping your mind active, active, thinking, learning, studying. So it's really important not to stay still in your faith, but to keep trying to go deeper with God. Now, one way of doing that is going on a course, is doing a, a course. Now, in a few weeks, we're running Alpha at this church. And now Alpha is, is, been a, is one of many discipleship courses out there. We've chose to run it here. It's probably worldwide the most successful discipleship course. And it allows people, in a very comfortable and easy way, to explore our faith, to ask questions about what life is all about. And it was meant initially for people who were, see, were trying to explore what faith was all about. But over time it's become realised that actually you can do Alpha several times because each time you come to it, you come to it and you learn something new. You go deeper with Christ. It's like when you're watching a film with a child and the child will be getting something out of the film. Toy Story is a really good one. Or some of the Marvel films, Ga Guardians of the Galaxy, the series of them. You can watch that as a child and see certain things. You can watch it as an adult and see it completely differently. And doing Alpha and other discipleship courses, the first time you do it, you can do it as a child. The second time you do it, you can do it as a teenager in your faith. And so on and so on. You build upon each time you do it. So you go deeper and deeper in your faith. So confession and discipleship, they both enable each other. The confession enables us to be forgiven and to God to work in our lives. The discipleship enables us to realize what actually sinful people we are. The more we grow in the faith, the more we realize we need to confess our sins. Samuel was not perfect and did some quite wrong things in his life. Peter we had in the gospel reading, Cephas, who Jesus describes as his rock, 
denies him when he's been captured and on the cross. Peter weren't at the foot of the cross, was he? He'd run away. He was frightened. And yet, Samuel, Peter, we hold them up as great examples of faith. So don't worry about what we've done wrong. Because God can forgive you. Learning more helps us understand our sinful lives even more. Confessing gives us a desire to learn more and be better disciples. So come on. Let's be a church that is known, that deepens its faith, and our regular confessors. Let's be known as a church full of disciples who want to go deeper with God and confessors who come regularly to confession. Amen.